Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is a conviction of things that you don't see. Right? But what I want you to focus is on verse 2. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By what? It is by faith. It is by faith that the people received their commendation. That God approved of them. Right? How did they receive their commendation? That they were approved by God? By faith. See, There's a difference between being accepted and being approved. Are you hearing me? There's a difference between being accepted and being approved. The day you said yes to Jesus, you were accepted in the beloved. In fact, you were accepted in the beloved before the foundations of the earth. That's why Jesus found you even before Adam got lost. You were accepted in the beloved. You're always accepted. Nothing can change that. You choose to live a sinful life still, you're still accepted in the beloved. It's an unconditional acceptance. That's why, that is where our identity comes from. Identity does not come from what we do. Our identity comes from this relationship, this acceptance that comes from heaven. This acceptance that comes from the Lord. Right? But our approval does not come from that. Our approval comes from faith. So there's a difference between being accepted and being approved. Just because you're accepted does not mean you're approved. You're approved by your faith. You're accepted by grace, but you're approved by faith. So there are a lot of people in the, in the body of Christ, sadly, who are accepted, but they're not approved. They're not approved. Because it takes faith to be approved. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. 2 Timothy 2, verse 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. What is Paul saying? Do everything in your power as a worker who needs not to be ashamed. See, acceptance comes, acceptance forms the identity. Because you and me are accepted in the beloved, it forms the identity. Okay? But with identity comes an assignment. With identity comes the purpose. And if you fulfill the purpose of God, comes the approval. Are you seeing this? So, just consider this with me. If this is identity and this is assignment, acceptance brings assignment. Right? Acceptance brings assignment. It is your assignment, it is your fulfilling your assignment that you're approved. If you don't fulfill your assignment, you will not be approved. You'll be a son always. You'll be a child always. You'll be a daughter of God always. There's no doubt about that. The identity will not change. But if you don't fulfill the assignment of God that God has placed in your heart for this earth, you will not be approved because it takes faith to receive that approval. 
It takes faith to be commended. Do you see the difference? Now, the problem is, in the, in, in the, in the body of Christ, there are two extremes always, right? The two extremes, and that's why I'm trying to balance this out, to bring some balance, okay? One extreme is that just stays on the identity. Oh, I am the son of God, I am the daughter of God. One extreme is just staying in the identity. The other extreme is just staying in the assignment. I'm called to be a servant. I'm called to serve. Yeah, this is the vision that God has blessed me with. Now, the problem, the extreme is, the extreme fruits that we see is one who just stays on the identity without, by neglecting the assignment, just stays on the identity. What happens is you become passive. You become puffed up. Oh, I'm entitled to be blessed. Right? And uh, there's no sacrificial blessing that you become for the people around you. Are you hearing me? But the, this side that focuses on the assignment, there is there's that blessing of God that you see. They are a blessing to people. Why? Because that's what they see. You know, this is my assignment from God to be a blessing. So they sacrifice their lives, right? And I, and I, and I think our forefathers did that so faithfully. Right? They sacrificed their lives. They, they walked like 40 miles just to become a blessing for somebody. Right? They sacrificed their lives. Why? Because the assignment was so important. But because they neglected identity, they got burnt out. And it reflected in their relationships and in their family. You need both. You need both. See, it's like a... Have you seen a cart? The cart has to be placed behind the horse. You can't place the cart in front of the horse. It's the horse that drives the cart. So over here, it's the identity that drives the assignment. But you need both. You can't do it without each other. You need both. So what is your identity? Your identity is that you're accepted in the beloved. Yes, your identity is that. Your identity is, oh, you know, before you did anything, there was a voice from heaven that said, oh, behold, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That's your identity. And that nothing, nothing ever can change that. No matter how many times you fall, how many times you get up, nothing ever is going to change that. But with that identity comes a purpose. And that purpose is to serve God and his kingdom to establish his kingdom. And when we establish his kingdom following identity's purpose is when we are approved by faith. When we are approved by faith. You need both. And sadly, because there has been a lot of abuse in this side of the coin, which is assignment, 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 the people who were born, the children of the ministers who were born, people like me, got offended. They're like, man, every time you talk about sacrifice, you've sacrificed everything. You sacrifice your family, you know, you sacrifice our own lives. So people like us, we are born with heart issues and we hate this assignment. So suddenly when we hear the gospel of grace, we are like, wow, this is like fresh waters and we want to stay here in the identity. And yes, that is good and that is important. But if we only stay here neglecting the assignment, we're just going to build puffed up, entitled children. The body of Christ needs health and health comes from balance. You need both. You need identity and you need purpose. You need identity and you need assignment. You have to believe that you're accepted, but it is by faith you'll be approved.
you need both yeah anybody believes that <laughs> so i want to show you a verse matthew chapter 25 parable of the talents matthew 25 was 14 14 onwards this is jesus he says for it will be like a man going on a journey are you with me matthew chapter 25 verse 14 for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property to one he gave five talents to another two to another one why is there a distinction the next phrase says to each according to his ability based on your capacity are you given the talents then he went away he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them then he made five talents more so also he who had the two talents made two talents more but he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money now after a long time the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them and he who had received the five talents came forward bringing the five talents more saying master you have delivered to me five talents here i have made five talents more his master said to him well done good and faithful servant you have been faithful over a little i will set you over much enter into the joy of your master okay i'll read that again well done good and faithful servant you have been faithful over a little i will set you over much enter into the joy of your master the first thing that i want to share with you is how you are given the gifts of god that god blesses you is based on your ability based on your capacity so if your capacity is as small as a bottle that's how much you're going to receive you have to increase your capacity how do you increase your capacity is by being faithful in what you have been given because once you are faithful in what you're given then god multiplies more see if you think of this parable from from a very democratic impartial mindset you will find it very unfair 5 to 1 but you know if you do calculation 5 becomes 10 2 becomes 4 10 becomes 20 4 becomes 8 right if you keep doing that calculation you'll see there's a point when if everybody is faithful there's a point that the difference between each other is so minute it's negligible like how much is the difference between 100 million and 150 million yes there's a massive difference but they're all millionaires so the point is not oh you know god blessed him more the point is are you faithful with what you have been given because if you have been faithful with what you have been given god will multiply that god will keep blessing you so what i want to convey is guys yes we are loved by god we are accepted by god nothing ever is going to change that nothing but please understand you have a purpose on this earth and that purpose takes requires your faith that purpose requires your faith your faith to believe in the lord for the impossible 
that faith in the that faith requires you to become a blessing for the people around you sacrificial living sacrificial giving like paul says i offer myself as a drink offering i'm talking about see look look at all the apostles look at all the disciples of jesus how did they live i'm not talking about poverty i'm talking about the the way they lived they were so sacrificial they were so giving they were such a blessing to the people around us why they could have also just stayed in a house and just said oh i i believe in god for prosperity because i'm accepted by the lord i'm blessed with every spiritual blessing and keep quoting that verse hundreds of times and just live in the comforts of their house but they did not do that they knew the assignment that the lord had given them they knew the assignment why because the identity drove the purpose see jesus he could walk he could walk on that cross right uh john chapter 13 okay don't don't read it but read it whenever you get time john chapter 13 talks about how jesus you know he takes off his outer garments and he he is washing the disciples feet there's one verse that says you know he knew where he is coming from he knew what he has been given and he knew where he was going it was his identity it was the security that he had in his identity that gave him the power to become humble that gave him the power to take up the cross and walk and die so yes i completely believe that identity is important yes i do believe that because that has what has changed our lives it's the security of our identity that drives the purpose but let's not forget our purpose our purpose is to establish god's kingdom Our identity is that we are God's children but our purpose is to serve him. Our identity is that we are sons and daughters of God but our purpose is that we are his servants. Look at look at look at all the epistles how Paul introduces himself. You will always see that phrase the servant of Lord Jesus. he could have said oh, i am the huyos of god <laughs> and the mature son of god he does not say all of that and the servant of jesus why because he knows his identity is never going to change he knows that he's secure in that but he also understands that identity comes with a purpose and that purpose is to serve jesus is to establish his kingdom and to be a blessing let's not forget our purpose that's why come with me hebrews chapter 12 all of these great people in hebrews chapter 11 the author talks about these old testament heroes of faith all of them were commended because of their faith all of them were commended all of them okay i want to show you i want to show you a verse come on uh in hebrews chapter 11 okay verse 32 and what more shall i say for time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms and forced justice obtained promises stopped the mouths of lions quenched the power of fire escaped the edge of the sword were made strong out of weakness became mighty in war put foreign armies to fight women received back their dead by resurrection some were tortured refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment they were stoned they were sawn in two they were killed with the sword they were about in skins of sheep and goats destitute afflicted and mistreated of whom the world was not worthy 
wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Why? 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 See verse 39. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Even though they were approved by their faith, they did not receive what they were believing for. Why is that? Verse 40. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Think about it. All these heroes of the Old Testament, man, they gave their lives believing. They gave their lives believing in God. And they did not receive the promise in their lifetime. But God, God wanted to make, wanted, wanted to make them perfect with us. With us. That's why chapter 12 verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, all these heroes of faith, you're surrounded by these heroes of faith, right? And what they're doing, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. What are these clouds of witnesses doing? They're cheering you up. Hey, get up. It's okay. Get up. Don't forget your identity. Get up, but look at your assignment. That's your assignment. Run. Run. Let not sin be a hindrance to you. Let not your heart issue be a hindrance to you. Let not unforgiveness, offense be an issue. Get up. They're cheering you. They're cheering you. How you do this? How do you, how do you run with endurance? Verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So how do you do this? How do you run towards your purpose? How do you fulfill God's purpose? Is by looking at Jesus. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. Because see, we cannot be approved without our faith. It is by faith that we are approved. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God, for those who believe must believe that he exists and he's a good rewarder. He's a good rewarder. So without faith, you can't be approved. It will require your faith, but how can you do it? By looking at Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. Looking at Jesus, that's the key. See how Jesus endured all of this, okay? Verse 3. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary. Why did Jesus suffer? So that we will not grow weary or faint-hearted. Verse 4. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. The author is saying, hey, I understand that all of you that you are struggling to fulfill his assignment is a lot, but please understand you haven't reached that point where Jesus, he shed his blood. He shed his blood. He went through that suffering so that you will not grow weary. You will not grow faint-hearted. That's why run. Run with endurance. Run with endurance for the prize that is set before you. It will not happen for people who are passive. Prize is not for those who are passive. You have to run with endurance. You have to look at Jesus, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, and run with endurance. It does not happen for those 
who are passive. Now this is, I'm not talking about heaven. I'm talking about fulfilling God's purpose for which you are blessed today here on this earth, right here and right now. For which it will take faith to be approved. That purpose you will not receive unless your eyes are not on Jesus. Come with me to verse 5. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. The author is saying, do not regard his discipline lightly. Do not take it lightly. Do not think, oh, it's just another thing that the Lord is telling me. No. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. Don't get tired. Don't get weary when the Lord corrects you. How should you take it? Verse 6, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Verse 7, It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? And look at this. He says, If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children. If the Lord does not discipline you, that means you're illegitimate. And you're not sons. And the author is saying, hey, when the Lord corrects you, embrace it. Looking at the perf you know, the author and perfecter of our faith, looking at the object of our faith, embrace the correction that comes from the Lord. Discipline. Embrace that discipline. Because it is for our good. Let's jump a little. And come with me. Verse 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful. What does discipline look like? It's painful. It is painful. Rather than pleasant. You know, we're living in a time and a culture where we can't receive correction. Don't correct me. Affirm me. Right? As long as you say, you're God's beloved, you're God's accepted, you're God's chosen, you're sealed of the Holy Spirit, that's fine. But the moment you correct, no, you can't correct me. Don't correct me. That's not what the Father does. You know, we have this wrong idea that the Father's correction always means embrace. No, it's not. Here it says, verse 11, it says, For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. Father's correction always is not embrace. Oh, what do you do? Oh, this is what you do? Let me embrace you. Are you fine? Now go. Father's correction is painful. Say with me, painful. Okay? It is painful for a short time. It is painful for a short time. But... But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Not immediately. Later. Long term. In the long run, it leads a peaceful fruit of righteousness. So, Father's correction in the moment, we look, oh, why is it so painful? But if you embrace it, if you don't get tired of His correction, it will bring long-lasting fruit long-lasting fruit.
See, we have two choices today. The first choice is go for something that immediately gratifies your soul, immediate, instant gratification that pleases you. Ha ha ha, I love doing this. Do that. And then long-term, long-term cons of it, long-term disadvantages of it. It will break you, destroy your destiny. Or the other is you embrace the suffering. You embrace the correction from the Lord. Suffer through it. But long-term, peaceful fruit of righteousness. What do you want? What do you want? See, even as I say it, I, I understand how tempting immediate instant gratification is. I understand that. And to receive God's correction is difficult. But if we can posture our heart, every time the Lord corrects us, if we can posture our heart and, and, and believe, Lord, I still believe in your goodness. I still believe that in spite of these circumstances that I'm going through, in spite of this correction that I'm going through, in spite of this this order that you are setting in my life in spite of these limitations that I feel in the moment I know it is for my good I know it will bring long lasting fruit God's grace is to give us freedom and to transform us don't only use God's grace for freedom what is God's grace for? freedom and to Transformers. When you use only God's grace to do anything that you want, you have treated it as a license. You know, you know, guys, let me just speak to you honestly as, as your brother. We are people who want to find loophole from this to justify our actions. All of us do that. All of us do that to find loopholes in the Bible to justify our actions. Why? Because we find it difficult to be corrected by the Lord. We keep finding loopholes. So we use the doctrine, doctrine of grace to cover up the stuff that I don't want to talk about. Stuff that I have suppressed over years. And, and I'm telling you guys, it might give you immediate immediate relief but it's not long lasting it is not long lasting how many of you been there where you know you know that you should not do this but you're like let me just do this anyways I'll ask forgiveness how many of you have done that and you do this and it gives you immediate pleasure but then you're like <sighs> and then you're like Lord please forgive me please forgive me and then it takes a while and the Lord forgives you and then you do that again it's a cycle it's a cycle, right? Have you been there? Do you know that there is, there is a set time even for repentance? Do you know that? Beyond which, there might not be a chance for you to repent. Did you know that? You did not know that, right? Let me give you an example. Esau. The Bible says, don't be like Esau who sold his birthright and even though he cried, he did not get a chance to repent. Hebrews chapter 12. We are taking God's grace for granted because we think, oh, you know what, I just need to repent. But there is, there is a point beyond which no repentance is there. You can cry as much as you want. Let me give you an example, practical example, okay? You feed your body with junk. huh? 
hoping that one day you will exercise. Right? There comes an age in your life beyond which how much exercise you will do, it's not going to work. There's no repentance. I'm, I'm giving you a practical example. See, the Spirit of God can live in a decayed body to a certain extent. Beyond a certain decay of the body, the spirit has to leave. It's a principle that the Lord has set. Beyond a certain point, the body decays, the spirit has to leave. Right? That's why we see people dying. And we keep, we keep, we keep... We keep experimenting with stuff. We keep experimenting with our hearts. We keep experimenting with our bodies, right? Why? We always believe, oh, there's time for repentance. What's the big deal? I can repent tomorrow. Oh, I can repent five minutes after I do it. But there's a point. I'm just saying, I don't know what that point is. You'll know it for yourself. There's a point beyond which there's no repentance. That's why Paul says in Romans 2, do not take God's goodness for granted because it is God's goodness. God is patient with you. God is forbearant with you. Why? Because it is God's goodness that will lead you to repentance. You know, every time we sin, God is so good to us. You know why? Because he wants to repent us. Not because so that we can go back into that sin again. It's like, you know, I was walking down the road and I fell into a pit full of dirt and then someone picks me up the reason why they picked me up is not so that I can jump back again. Oh, will you pick me up again, please? But that's how we behave with God. Oh, God was so good to me. You know what? <sighs> we don't want to admit that. I, I sinned. I did this. I did that. But you know, God was so good to me. I felt God's presence. Yeah, you moron. God was good to you so that you will repent. Not for you to continue in that. Not for you to continue in that. Stay in God's goodness. Whoever encounters grace has to be transformed. That's a rule. It, it is not possible that you dip your hand in the river and when you take it out, it's not wet. Whoever stays in God's grace will be transformed. The problem is we don't stay in God's grace. We use it as a concept. So this is God's grace. We're like, oh, I'm feeling dirty. Okay, now I'm good. We don't stay in God's grace so that it can transform us. We just use it as a concept to justify our actions and our lifestyle. You can't tell me anything. Why? Because I'm covered by God's grace. How dare you condemn me? Don't you know Romans 8.1? Therefore, there is now no condemnation. We use all of these. You know why? Because we don't want to be corrected. But if you could just open our hearts a little and stay in God's grace... Let him change us. Let his goodness transform us. We will not be the same. We will not be the same. Today morning, I, I had this verse in my heart and this, is, this was my prayer. Psalms 139, verse 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And then see what he says. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. He's saying, he's becoming vulnerable. He's saying, the psalm is saying, God, here I am. I know that you accept me as I am. But I know that you can transform me. 
If there's anything hidden in my life, correct me, heal me, purify me, because I need you. I don't want to justify my life based on my presumption and my theology and my doctrine. You know, whenever we do, whenever we try to justify our life with our theology, if you notice, you will only read certain scriptures. You won't read the rest of the scriptures. The moment those scriptures even come, you're like, ah, I want to ignore that. Have you been there? I've been there. I'm being honest with you. I've been there. I've done that. But something that the Lord has been really dealing with us and as the body of Christ, I want to share this with you. If you can open your hearts, wonderful, just be wonderful and trust him, trust him. Trust him in the process of pruning. Trust him in the process of disciplining that he still has the best interests in, your, in his heart. If you can trust him, you will not remain the same. And what comes out, you know, the Bible says gold is also refined by fire. It'll be like going through fire, but you'll be refined. Today morning, Ashish shared something very beautiful with me. You remember Shadrak, Meshach, Abednego? When they were thrown into the fire, they were bound. They were thrown in the fire. But in the fire, God came. God was with them. Right? And this king saw, oh, how many people did you throw? Three. But no, I see four people. God was with them. But you know what's the beauty? The beauty is... Whatever was binding them burnt away. Whatever was binding them, whatever was keeping them chains, that got burnt, but their clothes did not burn. What, what is meant to be will remain. What is of the kingdom will remain. Anything outside the kingdom has to be shaken off. Anything outside the kingdom, anything that is there inside of you, that does not belong to the kingdom. Let it be shaken off. He's a consuming fire. Let his fire consume you. Let his fire consume you to a point that what is of the kingdom will remain. You are of the kingdom. You're accepted in the beloved. You're of the kingdom. But there are certain things that we have picked up in our lifetime which is not required. Let the Lord clean us. Let his word clean us. Let his word prune us. Let his word discipline us. Amen. Why? Because we are his children. We are not illegitimate. Amen. God bless you. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you. And this is our prayer like the psalmist prays. Search me, O God. Search my heart. Search my heart. And we as a family, we come to you and we say, Father, search our heart. If there's any grievous way in us, heal us so that we are led in the way of everlasting. Father, we want to be approved as your servants, good and faithful servant, because we know that our security, that we know that our identity is completely secured in knowing that we are your children. Nothing can ever change that. But Father, help us to identify the assignment for which we are here to be a blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.